0: Welcome to the One Mic like Podcast, the official podcast for Fifth Element Center for Dance. I'm Janae Maynard. I'm usually your host, but today I have a friend in the room who's going to be hosting for us, and I'll let her introduce
1: herself. hello. Hello. My name is Onisha. She her pronouns. I also go by Dr. Rude Gal, and I... <laughs> gotta put the dance off <laughs> um, I how would I describe myself? There are, I hold multitudes. <laughs> I am a researcher by day, a dreamer and dancer, and creative, older sister, good friend, all of the things.. Um, in every other aspect of my life outside of work. And I have the pleasure of knowing Janae and being able to call her my friend and having her actually be a, a crucial person in the journey of dance for me. Um, so for those who don't know, in college, Janae and I danced in a Caribbean dance group called fire I remember joining, she was the person who had to judge me to see if I would make the group. I I do. She actually had some notes, for Um, (laughs) it. Yes. Yeah, so she'll bring it up sometimes. I'm like, cringe. Um, But I will say, one of the most incredible parts of being able to dance with Janae is as a teacher and an instructor, because that was my first time dancing in a dance group. I always loved dance and things like that, but was never in it in any formal capacity um Janae not only teaches you in a sense that helps you to grow in your own confidence um, and being able to dance with their group and all of that but also getting to the point where you feel comfortable making your own choreos and things like that so it's really just a a quality that I think a lot of teachers don't have where it's not just showing off your talent because we know Janae's talented Um, but helping others to find their own and their own sense of confidence and light too. So thank you for having me, Janae.
0: Wow. That was so kind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm going to need you to like introduce me all the time at every engagement now.
1: (laughs) I got you. I got you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Well, so for today's episode, I will be in the seat being asked the questions for once. And I'm excited because Onisha is amazing at that and just generally amazing at getting to know people and helping other people get to know community. So here we go.
1: Yes, I'm excited uh, to facilitate this conversation. And especially because it's around dance, which is the very thing that brought us together. So, let's just dive right in, <laughs> why don't we? <laughs> um, no, don't be I guess just to start, you know, I some people may or may not be familiar with your journey and who you are as a person. Can you just start by telling us a little bit more about what is important for us to know about you and who you are as a person in order for us to understand your relationship to dance?
0: I think one of the biggest things that first comes to mind is that I'm a young millennial, which feels important because I think our generation got into dance. Those of us who weren't, you know, in studios from a young age or things like that, we got into dance from watching music videos. You know, like, we would go home and put on 106 and Park. um, And just, like, whatever was hot. And we danced to it. I remember seeing the music video for Wind Up by Kat Mm DeLuna and Elephant Man. (laughs) And like, throw back! (laughs) Yes! And like dancing to that in my basement. And so um, I think that is critical to my journey as a dancer. One of the biggest things is that I have always been a musician, Mm. I grew up singing. And I played the piano for a bit and grew up playing the violin. Um, and so my relationship to music and performance extends beyond dance. And I think my relationship to music outside of dance informs my relationship to music and the way that I dance. Mm. So that's really important. And then hmm, I feel like there, there's so much that informs, like everything about me informs who I am in, in the space of dance, and the realm of dance. But maybe one one last piece that's really important is that I'm from Aurora, Colorado. And so mm-hmm. I grew up in this scene. I grew up dancing next to folks here in Aurora and not in a studio. So I grew up next to the B-boys. I grew up to, next to folks who are self-taught or street-taught. And yeah, that really informs my journey and also informs my passion about this dance scene
1: and Mm. therefore of course 5e Mm. i appreciate you sharing that and it sounds like there were all these different puzzle pieces that came together to inform this relationship to dance whether it was the cultural components of what you were seeing on tv your other musical talents which i did not know about (laughs) your, your physical community itself in in colorado And so I'm curious to know, it sounds like all of these things, some of the common threads are just like connection and community Mm. and whether it's connection to community truly like through Colorado itself or to cultural components of your identity through some of the things you'd see on TV or internally to like your relationship to music as an individual. So much of this is around connection. And so I'm curious to know more about how dance has helped you to connect both to yourself and to your community.
0: Oh my gosh. What a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Community has informed my entire journey. I think community and connection inform just everything I do, but definitely in dance, like I said, being an Aurora, I, I, First got into the dancing. I mean, I did the, you know, Minnie's ballet class when I was, what, four, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. every kid does, and then really got into dance in middle school. And that was like choreographing with my friends to these music videos, and like,
1: mm.
0: or like choreographing to these music videos and then going and showing my friends and doing that for the talent show, right? Like, and Listen. just like that being a way. <laughs>
1: like, we were bond choreography was going off in fifth grade. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: like, yes. Or like Sierra One Two Step. <laughs> like, I remember that being a big thing. Exactly. And so then from there, going into high school, high school was actually the first time I got to take a formal structured dance class, you know, mm-hmm. aside from that, like, Minnie's ballet,
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. 10 years prior. And so it was because my high school that I went to had a dance studio in it and offered dance as a, an arts and or physical ed class. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a studio with mirrors, with the floors, with bars, like actually able to experience things like ballet, jazz, other types of choreography that I hadn't experienced yet through the music videos. Mm -hmm. And my true connection to dance in high school was connecting to the street scene. So that's Mm -hmm. when I started getting up with the B-boys because they were all taking dance too. They didn't want to be in I don't know, like individual sports or weightlifting. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some of them did, but a lot of them were like, let me just take dance to get this credit out of the way. And so, yeah, I started connecting to the B-boys and that connected me to other folks on the scene, the poppers, the lockers. And for anybody who's outside of Colorado, I guess one thing to know is that growing up here, there wasn't a lot of siloing, or separation between the B-boys and the poppers, like I've seen in other scenes. So it was like truly like this nice little melting pot of all the street styles and getting to be around everyone. Um, and so I got to train with them and kind of get into things and feel out what felt good in my body when it came to street styles. And then that and the combination of being in these classes, I was taking dance class every... Semester every quarter, however often it was offered, despite having already fulfilled the requirements for art and PE, because I just loved it. And so, the combination of those things led me to seek a scholarship for a studio outside of school. And so, I got a scholarship to a studio that was down the street from my house, and I took all the classes because I wanted to get better in all the styles. But of course, loved hip hop. (laughs) That was Mm -hmm. that was my foundation. That was where I was at, and the two instructors. We were also high school age folks, and they were both poppers and they were both working on their breaking. And so they were teaching hip hop choreo, but their passion was in street styles. And so we ended up connecting over that. And they asked me to join a dance crew that they were starting specifically for a jam, an event that was happening that spring. Mm. So I became a founding member of this crew, and that crew has been community for me. That crew was. Co- community for me that year like my best friends and then I left for college and then I came back to Colorado and that was the crew I came back to and it was bigger Mm. and it was different but that was still my community I feel like I could go on about community because I haven't even hit college (laughs) so I don't know if you want me to keep rambling or if you have follow-up questions to what I just said for the past five minutes but yeah (laughs)
1: No, I love it. And I feel like I have so many questions, but I, I want to continue on this thread of street the street scene and hip hop and that influence on your your dance journey. when you just dis- when you describe it, it seems like you were kind of traversing different spaces of dance, right? You had these formal classes and ballet, and then the street scene that was happening outside of school, and then you had this scholarship for the studio as well outside of school. And so I'm curious to know first and foremost when we think of the hip-hop and street scene what about that space built the foundation for a community because you know I feel like there Mm. are some spaces where you could be in the studio for years and you don't feel connected to the people there you don't feel as like yeah (laughs) and so when you talk about it the fact that you say you can go on for it like forever and ever I think that is a testament to how deeply rooted that community was for you. And that feels distinct from other dance spaces. So would love to hear how that particular scene was able to foster that for you. Yes,
0: absolutely. Well, of course, it goes goes back to the founding of hip hop. (laughs) Way
1: back in the day of (laughs) hip hop's birth. But I mean...
0: (laughs) like that's true um and that sets the foundation for it all but ultimately hip-hop was founded whether that's any of the elements of hip-hop were founded on community community community-based solutions to problems building community and connection as a solution right and that's just what it is like going into so we trained at this church across from a local high school because they gave us the space for free after school to just like do whatever (laughs) to just like throw our bodies around and go into the church like that's what you got was community building because you're growing together you're Mm -hmm. like the training setting is you're training together you're training each other there's no there's ogs there's specific people who have earned their dues and their respect in the community and like there's no like instructor at the front of the room right like it's a bunch of kids Mm -hmm. coming together and learning moves together or exchanging knowledge (laughs) like this person knows how to do this thing that I don't know how to do Mm -hmm. they're gonna show me and then I'm gonna help them with this other thing so that's a big piece of it and then just like all the other pieces of that scene like ciphering right like Mm -hmm. that's about being able to exchange knowledge in this circle of people of like-minded dancers, of folks with similar passions, similar feelings when the music comes on and hyping each other up. Mm -hmm. That is important to be able to support each other in just a cipher or outside of the cipher. Like that support is critical to building relationships or Mm -hmm. even like in jams, like in competing and, battling like there are just certain ways that like respect support relationships are built into the different practices that we have that lend themselves to community building yeah that maybe might be missing from a, a dance space in which you're going and you're existing and you're moving your body but then you leave not feeling connected even mm-hmm. after having been there for days or weeks or months or years, wow!
1: Because what I'm hearing is there's communal care, there's communal exchange. You even use this term as like basically saying that it's non-hierarchical. Our learning is non-hierarchical. Mm-hmm. It is supportive. When even even through just hyping people up with you know like there's no, it's not it's not competitive in the sense of like I need to be the best as an individual it's like we are all here together in this space being our best selves and i think that in, in and of itself is super powerful
0: yes absolutely and like there's this piece of like even even for folks who are super competitive mm-hmm. and i don't know if respect is the right word but there's this piece of recognition of like mm-hmm. so maybe i do want to be number one but i mm-hmm. recognize that I have so much to learn from other people if I want to be number one I have to be connected I have to Mm -hmm. be in community I have to build relationships I have to grow alongside others if I want to grow up towards number
1: one I love that it it's a respect for the wisdom of all the folks who have been part of the scene for so long and humbling yourself in, in that, even if, mm. to your point, you want to be number one. I think that humility is part of what makes the communal exchange as powerful as it is. Yeah, that wow, Absolutely. that's amazing. I guess it, it makes me think of, again, just hearing you talk about that scene and then I'm comparing it to my understanding of studio scenes, obviously, like I haven't had as much formal training, but I think that speaks to this kind of maybe this isn't the right word, but the way I'm gonna frame it is informal versus formal spaces of of dance training. And I know I, I don't sure. love that that framing of it because I think some of the quote unquote informal spaces can be some of the most pivotal spaces of learning dance. Absolutely. But I would love to know as you it sounds like you went through, you've experienced both of those spaces. Mm-hmm. What, what was, what was dance like for you in each of those spaces? And especially for people who are trying to figure out for themselves, like, how do I enter this space? And like, do I need to go to a studio or what can I get out of that? Versus, you know, you mentioned the, the beginning of your story was following some of the dance moves from 106 and park, right? Like there's so many <laughs> choreographies with your friends. And as someone who also learned how to dance in the basement of their best friend's house, <laughs> I, yes. I, I definitely felt that insecurity going into college of like, everyone's been formally trained in dance and I haven't. And just like, it took so long for me to to build that confidence. So because you've been in both of those spaces, I'd love to hear, what advice would you give to people who, who either exist in either of those spaces and don't really feel the confidence, um, especially that informal space or... Are trying to figure out what's the best route for themselves
0: yeah i mean i think there's a balance to be sought right um mm-hmm. i think in studio spaces in the current system that we exist in there is an emphasis on excellence as it's defined by dominant culture here in the u.s right and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of structure which can be really beneficial to learning sometimes and sometimes it's not mm-hmm. but like you know what skills you're aiming to achieve on a specific timeline it's very structured it's it's helpful in that way and i think the same can be said of like any system that we exist in right now the education system in the us is also very like results driven what mm-hmm. test scores are we going to receive, because that's going to inform our funding, etc. But yeah, like you can expect this level of structure, this drive towards excellence for better or for worse, that does provide a really great space for skill building, depending on the learner, right? Like some Mm -hmm. learners don't thrive in that space. And that's just, that's just real. I think what studios should strive towards is the balance that I was mentioning of like being able to provide a space that creates skill building and relationship building and is able to differentiate for different learners where the focus is on excellence or success as defined by the dancer, whether that's the dancers dreams, desires, goals, their abilities, etc. And defined by the people who support them, their community and what they see in that dancer. Mm. Um, I think that's a piece that's maybe missing from studios as they exist now, in general, and on the flip side, the street side of things, you're not getting the formal training that you need to be able to survive in the industry Mm. as a formal dance setting as it exists now as a system, right? Like there are things that just doing street styles and just training with other folks in community, like you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn that like most dance teachers find it rude for you to like sit on the ground in the middle of a class or even sometimes Mm. like regular bodily functions like sneeze or things like that. And then you're going to do it in an audition and be automatically disqualified and wonder what you did wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like things like that, or like, like just learning certain aspects of the system of the dance industry that like, I, I, I mean, and again, we can like liken this to the education system. Right. Oh, yeah. So Like those of us who didn't grow up with a parent who went to college or even some people who grew up with a parent who went to college but didn't go to an Ivy League, right? Like we don't know going into Mm -hmm. a place like Stanford that we're supposed to network, that we need Mm -hmm. to utilize certain resources. Like we don't even know those exist
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because we weren't a part of the system that formally trains us to benefit continue benefiting from the system and so Mm -hmm. that's something that I would say is maybe missing as far as balance in the the street styles club style side of things Mm -hmm. when you're training in community is you don't get that kind of training you don't get that kind of education that ultimately privileges you in other dance spaces so there has to be a balance between the two they both offer really good things in that sense And of course I'm biased towards spaces outside of studios Mm -hmm. and they both offer really good things. There's just some middle ground that needs to be found Mm. that some places have found and done that successfully, but like it's such a rare gem to find that because it's not the norm.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: it sounds like the studio and the community spaces have something that they can learn from from one another and I think you mentioned a Mm -hmm. great point that the dance industry there's a system as it exists today and so there are certain things and just knowledge habits things like that that you might not even notice you don't know if you didn't have that exposure before Mm -hmm. and I think that's an excellent transition actually (laughs) into talking about the space that you've been able to create for folks in the area of dance with 5E. So if you don't mind, I would love for you to share with us about what that journey has looked like over the past four years, especially in relation to creating the space that balances what you spoke about, right? Providing a space for skill building, differentiating different learners, excellence defined by the dancers' dreams and their community and creating a supportive, uplifting space for them. Yeah. If you can, if you could share a little bit more about how 5E has been able to bridge some of those things and what that journey has been like over the last four years, that'd be great.
0: It has been a journey and I, -hmm. I have not perfected that balance. I don't think I'm even close to perfecting that balance. That balance is the goal, Mm. but that balance is the destination and I'm definitely still on the journey. And I think that one of the biggest things for me Out of the things that like we've just talked about in like creating that balance as I'm like creating this new space out of thin air (laughs) is Mm. being responsive to the student, being able to differentiate between different learners, being trauma informed for everybody because everybody brings something to the space, whether we know about their trauma or not, being culturally responsive. Especially in the space that I'm trying to create that's not only accessible to these affluent white students, but is accessible to a diverse group of kids. Like being culturally responsive and understanding what students are bringing from their cultures and what strengths that creates for them is really important. And yeah, figuring out how to do that in the different spaces we're in. We started in January of 2020 was when we were originally founded, didn't launch programs until June of 2020, but like pivoting for the pandemic. And then like, how do we do Mm. those pieces, which definitely got lost in the sauce during a time where all of our programming is virtual. And then Mm -hmm. last year, moving into in-person programming finally, and being on site. At schools and different organizations, and like, how do we create these pieces when we're still in a system, the education system, where there are rules and other pieces to this institution that we're in, this elementary school, this middle school, this nonprofit, that maybe aren't trauma informed or maybe aren't culturally responsive? And how do we create that space and that little bubble within this space that we are guests in? And now moving into like, finally having our own space what does it look like to create that and maintain that for ourselves for everybody in the community as instructors as students as family as friends in a way that's sustainable cuz
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's uncharted territory for me and for all of us right now yeah that's what the journey has been and that's that's where the journey's going and mm-hmm yeah it's just like a constant it's a living thing it's a work in progress it's constantly growing and changing and and being adjusted and strengthened and all of the things mm. as an experience and I guess to
1: that point For those who don't know, Jernay is the ED of 5E. (laughs) Um, Knowing that it is this living thing that you are trying to make sustainable, what have been some of the lessons to come out of this journey so far for you? And how do you plan to kind of instill those lessons or learn from them as you look forward for 5E?
0: Flexibility is the biggest thing that I've learned can be a strength in trying to create something new like this and on a scale like this. Mm -hmm. And I think on a larger institutional scale, 5E as an organization, I am constantly trying to find ways to create policies, and like the, instill in the things that we need, the, the pillars of the institution, I guess, flexibility. Like how do we make this so that it is still strong and it's still a pillar that we can stand on and provides the structure and, you know, any of the legal or financial things that I now have to mm-hmm. think of as a director that like maybe I wasn't thinking of as an instructor or a student. How do mm-hmm. we make sure that's sturdy without being rigid? is I think the biggest piece for me institutionally. And then also finding people who are passionate about the mission, finding people who have the same passion for creating these spaces, people who have the same passion for creating connection, for expressing mm-hmm. themselves, for providing that, that space and that flexibility for other people it's really important to me that they're a part of this and that everybody who is a part of this has that in their heart or in their soul because that's how we keep this space tied to that main thing that's how we continue to keep doing the right thing if Mm -hmm. that makes
1: sense
0: I feel like I started to ramble
1: (laughs) No. no 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 that makes complete sense that makes complete sense and like the flexibility aspect, and then basically the community that you're building and making sure that it's all centered around the mission. And it sounds like even the flexibility, as as much as you mentioned the institutional aspects of it, that all feels tied to the mission too, right? Like to your point, right? The, the rigidness of the studio sometimes doesn't work for, for the long run for folks, right? And for them to feel connected. So even in building up something like 5E, in all aspects of it, it needs to be flexible to the students, to the teachers, to the community you're building, to the institutional structure and foundation that you have as well. And so with that said, thinking about those mission and those values and those learnings, especially, what does this upcoming year look like for 5e? Ooh, this
0: upcoming year is so exciting mm-hmm. and so nerve-wracking. <laughs> So we, we've finally gotten a space to call our own, a physical dance center mm. where we can host our classes weekly. I've gotten... A round of applause. <laughs> That's like,
1: come on, you got to celebrate. It's <laughs> a win.
0: Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's super exciting. This is what we've been working towards. And I've gotten teachers on the docket. Mm-hmm. We've got our schedule up for the fall. Enrollment is technically open, but I haven't marketed it yet because we're finishing up the floors and under construction right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like we'll be rolling soon it's a process yeah yes (laughs) exactly Mm -mm. yeah we'll be rolling soon with our classes and our programming offering beginner intermediate and advanced level classes so it's going to be seven to 18 for youth offering adult classes on the weekend offering our engagement classes, self engaged learning and community engaged learning, doing all of that. And it's a pivot too. like, we're so used to being in Mm. schools and meeting the kids where they're at. Now we have to think of like, Okay, how do we get kids here? Like, how do we get them to come to where we're Mm. at? And yeah, I mean, I, in my ideal year, right? We'll have our first jam. We'll have a a community jam that we get to Mm. host that's like very street style centered and battles and ciphers and everything one could want um, in that space Mm. this winter. And we'll have our first recital that's more, you know, traditional studio recital in the spring. And we'll Mm. have a decently full enrollment and be serving. Last year, we served 95 students, just about and I would love to continue doing that,
1: but on site. Well one, that is a phenomenal and incredible and I just one, I feel lucky to like have been witness to this journey with five E two as as your friend and like seeing seeing it from its inception with the like proposal pitch of the business plan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to where it's at now is it's just incredible, and I'm so so proud of you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just just knowing like how difficult it is to build community in a virtual environment, and my hope is that it will just naturally flow in that physical space because now you have physical space and proximity for folks. That this growth is going to be exponential, and I trust and believe that. Well, thanks. <laughs> Of course, of course. And so with this new studio space, I'm sure you are going to be leaning a lot into teaching. We know you wear many hats and, you know, from ED to teacher. I'm curious to know how do those two roles look different for you? And specifically, what is your philosophy around teaching? How do you approach it?
0: My philosophy around teaching in general or around teaching dance
1: specifically? Yes. Great question. I would say (laughs) teaching teaching dance specifically, but if you feel like there's overlap, because we know you are a teacher, (laughs) (laughs) well, uh, if you feel that there's overlaps that apply to how you approach your teaching in dance, you can definitely speak to that as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Something that is really important to me now. Hmm. I don't even know if I'd say it's really important to me now. I think it's always been important to me. But I think also that maybe as I'm getting older, it is becoming increasingly important is teaching history Mm -hmm. alongside dance, being able to say that, like, this is where this came from, culture wise or historically. And this is what influenced this. And this is Mm. what is now influencing you as you're learning this. That's something that's really important to me when it comes to teaching dance and and learning dance. Like as a student of dance, I like to know what what influenced what I'm doing, like whether that's politically Mm. what was going on at the time when this was created or socially, like what relationships existed in the circle that this was created in that has now influenced what it is now Mm. or... Or just like, what time did this come from? Like when you asked me in the very beginning, what influences me as a dancer or informs my relationship to dance, all of that matters. And I'm sure mm. that anybody who's creating anything feels that, feels like there's so much that came into play in the creation of this. Mm. And so I think sharing that, like not just sharing the thing that was created, but all of those pieces of like, what informs this? That is really nice. It's really nice to learn that way. I've had a few teachers who, when they teach dance, they teach that way, and I love that. And so I I try to do that as much as I can. Relationship building is also really important to me as a teacher in general, and especially—I won't even say especially—just as a teacher in general, (laughs) relationship Mm -hmm. building is important to me. So now all the students know things about them feel like they know me feel like we can be vulnerable mm. in a space together because that's how growth happens and I find that I as a person I'm growing the most when I am around you when I'm around mm. students I learn so much and in order for that to continue to be the truth I have to be creating those connections and relationships and also comfortable being vulnerable around them because growing and learning is a vulnerable thing. And they're being vulnerable with me. They come to me to learn. And so they're being vulnerable. And so
1: I owe them that. Yeah. Yes, that that is so special. And I think just in general, young folks having people in their life that they can feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable with is so important. And to be a teacher is already like, you play a, such a pivotal role in their their journey. But to be a good teacher, to be one that where the student feels comfortable showing up as their authentic self, that's a whole other level. Mm. And I know you mentioned this, like, context with the history part of it as well. And just hearing these philosophies, the relationship building and the history, it just... I keep going back to that idea of the connectedness that we spoke about earlier in the conversation, right? Like you're connecting to self, you're connecting to one another Mm. as much as you're connecting to your body through dance as well. And I feel personally that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think your approach to teaching is informed by who you are as a person, the identities that you hold, the experiences that you've had, right? Because not all teachers think about putting the context of the history behind dance, and I know we spoke about the dance industry and system being the way that it is, and it is leaning; it, it has tended to lean more towards affluent white folks in terms of money and success in that metric. Mm. And they'll dance to hip hop, and it'll be detached from the history and the context <laughs> of it. nothing
0: about, and you it. can feel it, or, and you can feel exactly. it when that's the case mm. when you're watching a performance that's completely detached from the music or the culture or the you know
1: like you you know you feel it in your soul (laughs) truly yes when I when I see some people trying to hit dance hall moves I'm like you just don't have the it's not there (laughs) I don't know how to describe it but it just kind of feels like you tried to do a copy and paste and it, it just didn't look the same but I guess to that point without dancing around the topic, like I do think like a big part of that is having representation in the scene, Mm -hmm. having more black and brown folks in the scene, both as students Mm -hmm. and teachers who are exposed to the pipeline in the industry so that the system doesn't have to be the way it is now for dance and that it can change and evolve. Um, So can you share a little bit more about what you know, your experience has been like with exposures to black or brown teachers in dance and how that has impacted you as a student of dance?
0: I think it's so hard to answer because the reality is that I didn't experience a ton of black or brown teachers. Mm. I like just as a student in general, I had
1: one black teacher from first to eighth grade, as a student in school, not in dance specifically, Right. okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe one black teacher, one or two black teachers in high school, and I experienced a lot of black and brown administrators, which I do think had an impact. Hmm. And as a student of dance, my first teacher in this school that I went to the high school, who taught the dance in the school, she mm-hmm. was a woman of color, and that was really important to me, I think. Mm. She was the sponsor for the hip-hop club. She was very connected to hip-hop. But there was, like, we could dig into her identity a lot, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, like, in her own identity impacted her relationship to dance, her relationship to hip-hop her relationship to mm. studio dance because she was also a studio teacher at one of the most prestigious at the time studios in the area and it impacted her relationship to us as the kids of color and who she prioritized in her dance space so that was impactful even as a woman of color and then yeah man i don't know that's such a hard question and i don't even know if i'm giving a cohesive enough answer for this to be used in the actual podcast because no. I just, I like truly black and brown teachers that I had growing up in dance spaces and outside of dance spaces were very important, but they were so few and far between that like, it's just so hard to pinpoint like how impactful could it have been if I had more of them.
1: Mm. And how
0: impactful was it truly
1: that I didn't have more of them? Hmm. That in and of itself is an answer, right? Like, that just shows where the gaps were in in this space, right? Like, just thinking about what you've been able to build and create as a Black woman in your own hometown where you grew up, that's already so much more than what was present for when you were there growing up, both as a student in general and as a dance student specifically and so I think to your point what was impactful was that the fa- was the fact that there weren't many black and brown teachers to begin with and that yeah. impacted your journey with dance
0: I will say that that reminds me to the studio that I got a scholarship to I'm was one of maybe two folks of color taking classes there Definitely less than a handful of folks of color there. And Mm -hmm. the two guys that I mentioned, Jonah and Yusuke, who taught Mm hip-hop, both men of color. And so I think that was an opening for me. I mean, obviously, hip-hop was an opening for us to create connection. Mm -hmm. But also, we were the only folks of color in a space of all white girls and women mm. and so i think that was also a point of connection and a point of similarity we all uh, maybe not we all because i don't know who's listening to the podcast but you and i both know what it feels mm-hmm. like to be the only person in that space and how isolating mm. that can be and mm-hmm. so i do know that like that also pushed us together in that space i think
1: mm. hmm
0: And we were the same age, (laughs) like they weren't like, yeah, what you think of traditionally as teachers, but like, had my hip hop teacher even been somebody our age, who was a white girl, I -hmm. don't know that I would have had the same connection to that person at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have joined her dance
1: crew. (laughs) that could have changed your whole trajectory with your relationship to dance. And that shows what that impact is on having more representation in the space. And because you had that experience, I guess just, you know, potentially helping someone who might be in that space right now. What, what do you want young folks who look like you and might be having these type of experiences? What do you want them to know? Um, What advice would you give them?
0: Mm -hmm. I want them to know that there are people out there who look like them, who have similar experiences to them, who want to create a space for them to imagine their futures, how however they want to imagine them, and to like connect to their present, their current time, their current existence, their current circumstances, in a way that feels... Whether that's healing or just like authentic, that we exist, that there is a space for them, that we want them to do all of that and that they don't have to do any of it alone and that mm. it's possible. Look yeah. at you reflecting that value. Even if the rest of
1: the world says no. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's a critical part of it, right? Because again, like, the dance industry has been built on a pretty racist foundation to begin with. As with everything. <laughs> and as, as with everything, truly. And so we don't expect it to change by tomorrow, but at the very least having folks who are supportive, having community through that and potentially noticing changes in a positive direction over time. That's at least we can hope for that is, is encouraging i think for for future generations and you building a space like 5E is encouraging for future generations. Hmm. So on the flip side of that, what do you want folks who do not look like you, who might not have had those experiences to know and do exist in this dance space
0: that they can still help create these spaces hmm. and that their role looks different that maybe they're not the folks to be leading these spaces? But that they exist in these systems in a different position. And that position Mm -hmm. can be leveraged to help create these spaces for folks who don't have that position. And specifically for youth who don't have that position, who have so much ahead of them. And yeah, like they can, whether that's their privilege financially or socially or politically, they really have so much power to help this kind of mission to help create connection to help create expression to help find that balance between structure and skill building and community building and to help like create a sustainable type of interdependence in our communities and our society and if that's the kind of world that they want that like there's power in their hands they should utilize Mm. that power
1: yes bringing it back full circle to the b-boys with communal care and exchange everyone has a role (laughs) yes yes and i think you make a great point right like these spaces are going to be filled with people who have different positions of power and power dynamics are always going to be a part of that space but it's kind of a conscious decision especially for the folks who benefit from from that system to use their power in ways to to uplift and support and further the careers of dancers who have been underrepresented and marginalized in that space well clearly one thank you for sharing this journey of yours with dance with 5E etc and just in hearing these updates where 5e is at today it's very clear that this journey is far from the end and I think that's so exciting and thrilling because the journey is the best part of any any story Yes. Um, (laughs) and so I I hope that all of us can witness and experience it with you and learn with you alongside it and We are incredibly grateful that you have shared your personal experiences with us and been so vulnerable and just really reflected the values that dance has taught you and reflected it in who you are as a person, what you shared with us today, and what you're building with 5E. So thank you.
0: Thank you for creating this space for me to share some of my own things <laughs> i feel like I, I love getting to be in this space and listen to other people share about their journeys um and it's so cool to wear a different hat today
2: thanks so much for listening to this month's episode of one mike we're so excited to be back some updates on where fifth element is at and what we're doing We have onboarded our new board members, so you'll definitely be hearing some new voices and seeing some new faces around the 5E community. You can check out more information about them on our website, as well as our new dance instructors who we've hired for the school year. We're still in the market for dance instructors, so if anyone is ever interested in working for 5E, definitely send them our way. And we're also always in the market for volunteers. So if anybody wants to lend their time to us in order to help further our mission, we also welcome that. And there's a volunteer form on our website as well. We will be having a grand opening for our new studio space. So be on the lookout for that and subscribe to our newsletter for more information about that as well as enrollment for the school year, which is open, but classes haven't started yet. So definitely everybody who has a child or teenager who's interested in learning how to dance, get them enrolled in our programs. Thanks so much for listening again, sending hopes of progress to you and your communities.